Hello and welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector and I am your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, welcome. This podcast exists to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. Uh, here's how it works. In each episode, a different guest comes on. They ask me three questions. We have about a 10-minute conversation about each of them. I hopefully share some helpful advice to them and you, and that's it. No fluff. We get right into it. Lots of actionable tips and strategies you can put to use to grow your audience and business. Today's guest I'm really excited to talk to. It's Karthik Puvada. Hopefully I didn't botch that. I know him as KP and you probably know him as KP as well if you're on Twitter and the internet in general. Often called KP by his friends and audience on the internet, he's a founder, creator, and coach based out of Atlanta. He's also the program director at Day One, a premier founder school backed by Gary B and Antler Ventures, and has built several global entrepreneurial communities, including On Deck No Code Fellowship from scratch to a million dollars in revenue. With an audience of over 35,000 on Twitter and 7,000 on email, there's a reason he's become known as the building public guy. I've also gotten to know KP recently on Twitter and through the DMs, and I'm really excited to talk to him. I think we, we see the world in a similar way. So with that in mind, hey, KP, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Josh. And I want to say this out there. I know you, I kind of sang your praises before you hit record, and I don't want to you know, uh, not say that on air and <laughs> let your audience not know how much I appreciate you. And I, look, I've, I've had a huge surface area with content, with community building, with coaching and all these things. I think our intention, we're going to get to this coaching part. I've coached a lot of people, but I look up to you so much and you're the ultimate coach's coach. You're so generous in the way you approach your content, your advice, your guidance. It's a quality that I like to embody a lot. And I see that in you so much. So you're my spirit animal, spirit animal wow. in that aspect. The other thing is you're so clear. The way you think about things is so clear, often comes off in your, for the interested newsletter, also like your tweets in general, you know, and so the clarity is something that I so envy, man. Like I love how clear you are. And sometimes I DM you like late in the night. I'm like, I need this advice. And you're so generous. I appreciate that. And the last thing I want to say about you and use this however you want and whichever clip you want, but. There's a sense of like, kind of like going against the grain about you that I admire as well, which is, we talked about this a couple of times where, but everybody is creating a weekly newsletter. You went ahead and created a daily newsletter. That's a one-liner, sometimes the two-liners. Right. And I'm like, damn, like the guts, the chutz for you have, the, the way you kind of like, you know, just do it because it's fun or just do it because it's like strategic or clever. But I don't think you are one of those creators who is so obsessed about metrics. I think you care about results. Maybe I'm paraphrasing or kind of projecting, yeah. but I think you care about results, but I don't think you're obsessed about virality and metrics, which I love. Again, it's, it's a great relief and refreshing to, to see that. So, wow. Well, thank you so much. It's been a great episode. I hope everybody enjoyed it. We'll, we'll, we'll see you next time. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of People Compliment Josh. My phone number is available to you if you need a hype man. Yeah. 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 Wow. This is amazing. This is already my favorite episode, but I guess theoretically we'll keep going and, and I'll actually try to answer some questions for you and other people. So thank you so much for those compliments. I really appreciate it. And all the things you mentioned are very much things that I set out and try to do. I do try to be clear. I do try to focus on doing things a little differently. I do try to, you know, to your point about metrics, my goal is to really help people and, and generate results. And there's a lot of 
not all metrics are created equal, right? There's yeah. a lot of vanity metrics out there. So yeah. yeah, my goal isn't just to have a lot of followers. So I appreciate everything that you said and thank you. Now right. let's see you if I can hopefully yeah. live up to a little of it. <laughs> I know, um, I, I no pressure, but I got three yeah, questions exactly. you. So yeah, so let's start with what is the first thing you wanna know? So the first thing I wanna know mm. is someone like me, as we kind of uh, covered in the intro, I have a huge surface area of audience and like, you know, thousands of people. How do I validate, or first of all, how do I identify and validate among this, you know, thousands of uh, people that I have in my audience, who needs me the most, especially for a paid coaching service? And this mm -hmm. is something I struggle with. And I've had, of course, like I said, like I've had clients, but they were very serendipitous and hard to predict. That's never a good business model, right? And mm -hmm. they, they all came like whimsically, like they just like showed up and I served them. But I want to know if there's a way intentionally that I can make mm -hmm. it a practice that I constantly validate who requires my services and how do I design that experimental validation? Sure. So let's start with the, the premise that there are a lot of different people you can help in a lot of different ways. So rather than thinking about who are the people that I should most help or who are the right people for me? Let's define what it is that you actually want mm. and attract those people. So I think you're looking at it as like, where are the sort of right leads? What's the service? Where are the leads coming from? I like to assume that you're going to be successful whichever direction you go, mm. right? I think a lot of people sort of are worried about failure. So they're looking for what's, what's the path that I'm least likely to fail at. Whereas I look at it and go, let's assume that you're going to be able to figure out how to succeed, whichever path you want to go. So then the question becomes, if you assume success doing A, B, or C, or helping A, B, or C type of person, who do you most want to help? And what do you most want to help them do? So I, let's start there because then you want to engineer those attracting those people, right? So who do you think you would most want to help and what would you most want to help them do? I think specifically first-time founders, they, they tend to underestimate the power of distribution, content, and marketing. And those are my strengths, natural strengths. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to like talk to like third-time, fourth-time founders who already know these things. It's like peer-to-peer, -peer, you know, I don't, I don't think there's a, as much of my value add I think the, the thing I find the most joy in is, is helping these first-time founders crack the code about distribution. How do you build mm -hmm. distribution into your daily practice, weekly practice, when you don't have a full-time growth hire or a growth team? Mm -hmm. So then that's where I kind of come in and I, I give a lot of advice. The, the line between product advice that I give about how do we tweak the product so that it's, it has mm -hmm. a viral component to it, the PLG advice, and then content advice around you should post these number of things about your niche. You should mm -hmm. be top of mind for your customers all the time by creating content and threads. So those are like the combination of things that I share with them. And, and I find the most joy when they get their first paid customers of 10 paid or 20 paid or something like that. So I think that just comes to mind. I don't know if that is the right niche, but that's one of the top. Okay. So I love that you said that you walked right into the, right into the trap, right? So people get hung up looking for the right paths. Yeah. There's an infinite number of right paths, uh. right? The key is instead of looking for the right path, the right audience, the right niche, the right whatever, you're picking the one that you want and figuring out how to make it right. Mm -hmm. So that's different. 
you can be plenty successful serving first-time founders with a focus on distribution and marketing and all the stuff that you just said. Once you make that decision, and look, decisions can always change and your niche and everything mm -hmm. can evolve over time. But if you say right now, I want to focus on that, then the question becomes, to go back to sort of your original question, you're not identifying, you're now saying, how do I attract those people that I most want to work with right. and think I can best serve to raise their hand, to come to me, whatever. The next part of this question that I would have to you kind of dissecting your original question is, okay, we know we want to help, but you want to help first-time founders. You want to help them with distribution and marketing and content and X, Y, and Z. There's a relatively clear point A to point B transformation there, right? This is where they are. This is where I want to help them go. The next part of that question is, why do you want to do it by coaching? Because Ooh. there's, and again, infinite ways that you can help them. What is the reason that you want it to be coaching? Great question. I think because in this, let's say, in, in a lot of the tactical things that I share and advise founders on requires like nitty gritty deep dives into their mm -hmm. personalized scenarios, like customized mm -hmm. situations, unique problems that they may be facing about a particular landing page not converting or a particular cold email sequence not converting. And so it's like hard to generalize some of the advice. I mean, there are some mm -hmm. parts that are like, you, I can generalize, but specifically I can speak to that business and say, hey, look, here's like the four things that we need to work on. Let's workshop it together. Mm -hmm. And there's a sense of like collaboration, like let's workshop it together that I mm -hmm. enjoy with that person. And so I think coaching is like a natural extension for that. Okay. Because I just enjoy the kind of back and forth and brainstorming with them. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to get into some of this in deeper detail, I think, in some of your other questions. But I think that's really important to put in your head because if you want coaching clients, part of the argument that you're making, sort of drawing a line in the sand, not in a combative way, but you're essentially saying, look, the reason people should hire me as a coach is because it's going to be the most effective or the quickest, the easiest, the combination of this is the best way to help you get what you want and get from point A to point B. You want to make that case in mm -hmm. your own content, in the presentation of your coaching. It's not just, hey, I can help you in this way. It's there's a reason that I'm choosing to help you in this way because I believe this is a more effective way yeah. than a course, than a just than reading a book, than consuming right. content, right? So you're making a case and an argument there mm. so that it's not just, hey, I'm offering this result to these people, but there's a reason why I'm offering it in this format. Mm. And that will resonate highly with some people. Yeah. And with other people, it won't resonate at all, but that doesn't really matter because what you're trying to do is not be an okay option for lots of people, right. trying to be the perfect option for some people. So going back to your original question, how do you sort of surface those leads? Part of how you surface those leads is drawing that line in the sand and saying, this is what I believe. This is why I believe in coaching. This is why I believe you need a coach. This is why I believe I'm the one that can help you. That, can I ask you a question? Yeah, go uh, ahead. You kind of like make this, because in my head, there's like a lot of hypotheticals that are floating around, as you said, mm -hmm. that are from drawing from your own experience when you were mm -hmm. a coach. Yeah. Can you give the, me and the audience an example of where you went from, where maybe, were you ever in my situation early on or in the mm -hmm. beginning or? And so I'm curious, like, give me an example where you were, where you went from my situation where you're like confused about what the kind of client you want to serve, blah, blah, blah. And then you were like, no, here's the line I'm drawing. 
Yeah. Here's what it's going to be about. And you actually now have tangible proof that has worked. Yes. Like maybe you have four clients of that top, for example. So a couple of different things. So one is early on, like you, I was like, I could help a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Right. right? So you could hire me to write social posts for you. You could hire me to run Facebook ads for you. You could hire me to have a sort of one-off consulting call. You could hire me to help you come up with an ongoing strategy, a right. million different things. Right. right. You could hire me if you were starting a newsletter. You could hire me if you had an established newsletter, right. all of that stuff. So along the lines, as I did a lot of what I'm saying to you and thought through like, okay, just because I can do these things, Doesn't all mean... things being equal, assume success. What's the stuff that I most want to do? What do I most want to do? And how do I think I can best help people? I can run Facebook ads for people and it's helpful. I don't really want to do that. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, they're probably better off hiring someone who gets full-time Facebook ads, mm -hmm. whatever. So I started to eliminate a bunch of that other stuff. I started to focus on, I don't want to do done for you work. I don't want to write for you. I don't want to manage your social posts. I want to do higher level strategy. I'm going to teach you and show you how to do it. I'm not going to do it for you constantly, right? So that narrows down what I'm doing. And then building in stories and reasoning about why it's not make-believe, but that is true. I have a post that I highly recommend and we'll put a link in the show notes. And it was literally titled, read this before you hire a social media consultant. Nice. And it's all about all the reasons why I believe people make mistakes when they hire social media consultants. And it was almost an argument not to hire a social media consultant. And one of the, and I was essentially expressing my point of view. So for yours, it could be, if you're a founder, read this before you hire a coach. And these are all the reasons why you should or shouldn't or whatever, why a coach instead of a course, again, drawing that line in the sand. And one of the things I said in there, for example, was that I believe when it comes to social media, people overpay for social media management and underpay for social media strategy. Yeah, that they hire cool. a person or an agency to manage their stuff. But right. in reality, that's not hard and you shouldn't pay a lot of money yeah. to do that. What's hard is the strategy of what right. you post. That is a point of view, a line in the sand that's going right. to resonate with some people and not resonate with others. But it's going to resonate with the people that I most want to work with, the yeah. ones who want the strategy. No, I, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And so let me, so, and let me give you an example. And obviously we're just talking about this now, but I was looking at what I believe is your current consulting page, right? At right. intro.co slash kp and again right. we'll put the link so that's that actually one of the many but that's also my problem just like you like i have so yeah. many shots of consulting avenues yeah. that are all over the place and yeah. what i want to do is consolidate everything to flow through a single funnel which i have to get there but yeah but anyway. which is also common and becomes much easier to do when you've thought through strategically yeah. how you're approaching this stuff but let me give you so just in looking at that quickly and right. I just want to point out a few things that I do think are relevant to this in, ter in terms of what we're talking about. So the first is on the page, you have this about me section and it's, I understand that it's titled about me and you say, oh, storyteller, podcast host, community builder, passionate about no code and the building and public movement that's helping startup founders build an audience on the internet and attract opportunities. Built over 15 no-code projects that all in public, grew my audience from 414 people to over 30,000, blah, 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 interviewed world-class entrepreneurs. Then at the bottom, you have things I can advise on, community building, no-code, startups, podcasts, growing an audience on Twitter. I love helping others and can't wait to connect. All of which is true and fine and shows some of your credibility and all of that, right? 
but it actually should lead with how you can help people and who the specific people are you want to help. Mm. That you're about me isn't actually about you. You're giving all the sort of credentials, mm -hmm. but really that person that's looking at that is trying to figure out whether or not I is should hire me? this guy. Is this for me? What, what you want to lead with is I help these people get this transformation. Sure. And the other thing is you list, what's interesting is like, so you list, when you say, oh, I can advise you on X, Y, and Z, number one, you're doing exactly what we just talked about, where you're like, I do all these million different things yeah. versus going, I want to help. And again, you do that and everyone does that. It's a natural instinct because you're like, I can do all these things and I don't want to lose business or turn people away. But in doing that, again, you fall into the, well, this guy seems okay for everything versus the guy to talk about, to help yeah. me in this you know thing. what's funny about this like the way you present even like this sort of conversation that mm -hmm. we're having is something that i had early on about myself my own content career mm -hmm. and i took this intentional step in 2020 where i was talking about everything on my tweets all everything under the yep. sun and then i said no i'm gonna be known to be the building public guy yeah and it was a tongue-in-cheek joke of course i knew that it was like a very very clear sort of tongue-in-cheek reference yeah. but i was so obsessed and focused that I'm gonna create the most content on that yeah. topic, which I did. And now nobody even bats an eye about that right. at and all. I'm sure it helped you grow and take off because all Massively. of a sudden people- yeah. I went from zero to 3K in like two years. And from there, yeah. everything I touched was thousands of followers because I was that guy. Of yeah. course, that also alienated people who wanted to talk to me about other things. Yeah. Or they thought like, well, why is this the only thing? I'm like, no, no, no. That's, my, that's the entry point to get to me. I offer other things, but that's what I'm drawing- that's the bad yeah. signal to the world. Yeah. And it's so funny because I haven't made the transition to take that approach. Right. And carry that over into your, into your coaching. coaching. Yeah. And so, you know, so here's the other thing, right? So you, you say, and again, these are little things, but I think these little choices and these little words make a huge difference, right? Yeah. So, you know, you say I can advise on these topics, but you're not actually talking about goals and results. No. So a little bit with the growing audience on Twitter, but you say, I can talk about no code and startups and podcasts. Yeah. That's really different than going, I can show you or help you grow your podcast. Yeah. I can help you monetize your podcast. Yeah. I can help you launch a startup versus manage an existing startup. Getting way more specific will be helpful as opposed to, oh, I generally talk, I can advise you about these topics. Yeah. Any well, idiot can talk about podcasts. It's not right. big. What does that like mean? If you want to talk about the, right. you want to pitch the results that, that they want. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's missing is you don't really give a clear reason why people should choose you as opposed to other options. Mm -hmm. So you give your background, but there's not a lot of like, this is why there's a lot of people that coach on these topics. Right. Why you, right? Yes, you have credibility. So that right, right. speaks to it a bit. Right. A lot of people pitch their services in a way that it's, this is a thing that will help you get this, but they don't, they sort of forget that you're not just trying to convince them to hire a coach. You're trying to convince them to hire you as opposed to another coach or another course or whatever. The other thing I would say, just two more sort of quick minor things here. You have a lot of testimonials on the page, which is awesome. Social proof is great. They're very generic, right? right. KP was great. Right. He really helped me. And when they're very generic, people are less likely to believe them. Not that they're fake, but the, the point of a testimonial is to help you overcome an obstacle. Yes. So there's a book called The Brain Audit. Have you ever heard that or read no. that? Mm -hmm. Highly recommend it. So it's, there's a section in there about what he calls reverse testimonials that are ridiculously powerful. It's just literally a series of questions to give people 
to answer and then how you construct testimonials that are more powerful. It's probably a couple pages. The whole book's good, but right. that's probably a couple pages in the book and it will totally change how you get testimonials. And one of the things, like the first question they have you ask people is basically like, why, what almost prevented you from hiring KP? Mm. And so what you get is you then get testimonials that start with, I wasn't sure it was going to be worth the money. I wasn't sure he had enough knowledge about podcasts. Mm. And now, but then I did it. And so your testimonials are now literally addressing obstacles. Ob objections. Yeah. Obstacles. Right. Objections. Super powerful. And then the other thing I would say is there's a calendar on here for people to book you. But what you wind up, just like what anybody winds up with, is a calendar of open times that sends a message to people that this guy isn't really in demand. Mm. You think it's convenient. Right. It's actually working against you mm. because they're going, this guy has 20 open times Lots. and only right. two that are booked. So subliminally, does that make someone scarcity as scarcity right. and urgency drives right drive sales. So that convenience is actually working against you. Mm. You'd be better off, even if you were going to use that calendar, let people request a book with you and then send them the calendar as opposed to having it on what is equivalent, the equivalent of your sales page. Mm. So cool. So All a bunch right. of stuff for you to yeah, think about I, there. I think I'm going to literally, I'm not joking, but I'm going to like actually listen to this own podcast myself, take notes <laughs> and make some edits. Cause I just to what you said, like there's a, there's a lot of difference between, you know, presenting yourself as a business because mm -hmm. then you could get objective and you think it's all the stuff you told me make a lot of sense when I think of on deck or day one. Yeah. But actually to your point, customer psychology doesn't judge if I was a business or if yeah. I was creator brand. They want to, they want to, they want to hire you for, and they go through the same sales psychology, which I just touched on. So also everything becomes much easier when you're clear on exactly what, who you want, all the messaging, all the, everything becomes easier. Yeah. It's much harder when you're not sure. Like I could do a bunch of different stuff. And so that will help you. Let's get to your second question. What's the next thing you want to know? Okay. The second thing I want to know is something that I don't know if I should even think like this uh, mm -hmm. and I'm going to be like vulnerable and ask you this anyway, which is as a coach, sometimes I notice that I, of course I collaborate with the people and then we create a transformation mm -hmm. and then it's good for them, but it's bad for business. How do you keep bringing back people to you when there's transformation and then they just move on? Like what, mm -hmm. how do you present your offering in a way that it, there's a recurring component to it? Not mm -hmm. just a one-time, two-month project, and then they learn the tactics, and now they are moving. I feel a little guilty even asking this. No, I don't want you, sh you, sh you shouldn't, because I think a lot of people think that this way. Yeah. I love this question, and I love the opportunity to talk about this. Cool. And I don't, again, I don't think there's a single right answer or right way to do this. So we're going we're gonna to talk through it. But the first thing I would say is... Getting someone a positive result that they want or a transformation is never a bad thing, mm. no matter what. It's never, and not just, never a bad thing for your business. Mm. So while it may seem like I was able to solve this person's problem in 10 minutes, let's go to the extreme, right? I was able to solve this person's problem in 10 minutes. And so I can't charge them for 10 months of work. That's not a bad thing. Mm. Big picture right? Maybe you lose them as a recurring client, 
but they tell other people. So that's the first thing. Like anytime you deliver the positive result, it's a good thing, even if it might seem like financially it's not. So let me ask you a question. Let's take a sort of step back even from the specifics of you, right? And let's talk about coaching in general. Should coaching be an ongoing forever business? Or is the point of the coach someone that helps you achieve a specific result? Is there an end point or do you view it as something that you do forever? And there's not a right or wrong answer, but I think it's it's a helpful question to consider. And I'm curious how you think about that. So if I was at the receiving end in this scenario, Mm -hmm. right? See, I'm the kind of person enjoys and appreciates having a coach. Because to me, a coach Mm -hmm. is almost like a sparring partner. You and I are doing right now. Yeah. And... No matter how much positive results I've gained and accumulated, let's say I went from 36K to 100K followers, mm-hmm. I will still be wrestling with some newer problems and mm-hmm. that will require me to push myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think the framing that I have, which is now coming to me, by the way, just live, is that yeah. I think of a coach as in the gym, like you have a trainer yep, and they're like, they're just like supporting you. They're like mm-hmm. spotting you, right? It's the term. Like when you're doing like a press, uh, whatever, mm-hmm. that's the picture that I have. And if you're a boxer, if you're a world-class elite athlete, you want someone who is strong enough to challenge you, compete with you, like, like challenge mm-hmm. you, rock the brainstorm with you and spar with you. And that's not a three-month project, not a 10-year mm-hmm. project. That's my perception. And actually, now that okay. I think out loud with you, I think that's the kind of client. Okay, so this, is, so this is being a use of the short-term three-month hack will not win. Yes. I, will not, I won't enjoy the relationship there. So this is perfect. And this is another one of those line in the sand moments, right? Mm. The truth is a compelling case can be made that coaching is not an ongoing forever thing. Just like a trainer. There are people who are like, I want a trainer to get me started, to show me what to do. And then I'm good. And then there's other people that are like, I want an ongoing trainer forever. Therapy is another one. There are people like, I need to go to therapy for a little while to figure this out. And there's other people that like therapy is an ongoing thing. It's going to help me forever. I'm definitely the later camp, but yeah. So, right. But so, but what I think is helpful is you, again, either one, you as a coach can succeed with either model, but you have a belief or the people you want to work with are the ones, and I'm even separating the financial piece of it, are the ones that believe that. So in your messaging and your presentation of coaching, you want to draw that line in the sand Mm. and go, I believe that coaching works best done in this way. They're going to eat this up if I write this out. Like, right. oh my God. So I, I those people will. Like, right. the 10 people that I know really well who will like eat this up if I put this out there, Josh. But right. I haven't said it in these words, like to your point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, but, and that's the key in understanding that like, I want to serve the people that want that thing. There's some people that aren't going to want that and they're not going to want that commitment. And that's fine. They can go hire a, a different coach and do it and do a different thing. Separating the business piece of it. I do think it seems like you believe that's the kind of coach that you like to have. That's the kind of coach that you want to be, which completely makes sense. As a thought exercise, if you weren't sure, I think it's helpful to separate and go, is the only reason you want ongoing so you don't have to chase new clients? Some people would fall into that trap, mm. right? If you were, again, this goes back to assume success. If I guaranteed you the same number of clients and the same amount of money every month, whether you had the same people ongoing forever or just a steady flow of new people coming in, it's an interesting question to think, which Mm. option would you choose? 
So that removes the sort of financial incentive, mm. which for lots of people, that's what's dictating it, right? I want yeah. recurring so I don't have to keep, it's dependable and right. I don't have to keep getting stuff. I think you're on, again, this is something for you to think about. Right. I think you're on the end that you do truly believe that sort of longer coaching is, makes more sense. Right. But you want it for yourself, pull it apart and go, do I really believe that? Or do I just think that's an easier business? Yeah. That's a brilliant, that's a brilliant question to ponder on. I think all the science in my personal, like consumer life, not as a creator, not as a businessman, mm -hmm. I've had the same therapist for years. I've had the mm -hmm. same, I actually have a coach and yeah. the same person. I actually test a couple of people once I like them, once I lock mm -hmm. it in, build trust with them. Yep. They're with me for a long time, which, which is so I'm kind of the camp where I like to work with people for the long, long. Yeah. Uh, it business. sounds like you probably are. Right. I just, I, it, it's helpful right. to think no, through. It's a good point though, but I think there's also probably a little bit of blend in there where I'm like, ah, oh, it's hard to go yep. get new clients, but that's a separate business problem altogether. Like you do. Right. And not necessarily true. Not necessarily right. true. Yeah. So, that, so for me, for example, I do not for the most part have ongoing retainer clients. Most people that I work with, even if it's a full on strategy, it's a couple months. Yeah. And for me, I do that. I might do additional projects with them, but for the most part, from a business standpoint, people would be like, oh, you should go get someone on a retainer and all that stuff. But for me, I like working with different people. The variety. Um, the variety. So I like the variety. And I also feel like, again, the work I want to do, the high level strategy stuff, in most cases, like I can get you where you need to go. I'm not doing it for you. So, but that's my personal choice. I could yeah. definitely go the other, the right. other route as well. One is not better than the other. Right. But so let's take, let's operate now under the assumption for the moment that you believe that your line in the sand is you believe coaching is a more long-term thing and an ongoing thing. So now what you want to do is as you draw that line in the sand, you want to make that case and Essentially, the story that you're building around this is comparing yourself to other one-off coaching and justifying and explaining, this is why I do it this way and this is why mm -hmm. I think it's better. So let me riff here a little bit of like how that narrative would work, right? Mm -hmm. So if I were you, I'd be saying things like, and this is both in your messaging, in your marketing, your positioning, and your content. Here's what typically happens when someone hires a coach. They do a few sessions, they get excited, they make a little progress, then the coaching stops and it all falls apart and they go right back to where they were. Mm -hmm. I believe truly effective coaching has to happen on an ongoing basis and requires a longer term commitment. Mm -hmm. Phil Jackson didn't just coach the Lakers in the preseason and let them go on their own for the rest of the season. Right. Right. My coaching and my approach to coaching is for people who are ready to make that commitment. Right. For people who want results, not just to feel like they did something to get results and check the box, but they want to actually continue to do it and grow and help address those, that sounds those new so problems. much like me. That's why I'm like, oh, laughing. Right. Like, that's so much like me. Yeah. But you can see how that's how you take a line in the sand concept and bring it to life. The people that believe that are going to be way into that. Yeah. And they've probably made those mistakes. Yeah. They've hired a coach. They, it started good and then they stopped and everything right. fell apart. Right. I, they want that different level of thing. And then there's going to be other people that are like, I'm not committing to a year. Yeah. I don't want to whatever. The next thing is once you decide the direction you want to go. So if you're going to emphasize longer term coaching relationships, you should package and price your services accordingly. For mm. example, you might say, this is what I believe. 
So I only take on clients with a minimum six month commitment mm. or I only take on clients with a minimum one year commitment. That's scary because you think it might scare people off, but the people it's going to scare off are the ones you didn't want to work with anyway. anyway. Yeah. So the key is in all of this, figure out what you really want, how you want to structure your coaching, how and how and why you believe that structure is the most effective, not just yeah. for you, but for clients. Message the reason that you believe that and then align that the structure of your service to reflect that, right? Mm. This is where you want to be careful. Right. If you're out there saying, I believe effective coaching really requires a longer commitment, but I'm happy to talk to you for 15 minutes. Mm. That sends a mixed message and undercuts your own beliefs. Right. Not that you can't talk to someone for 15 minutes. Right. You can, but you can see how you're creating some dissonance. Alignment right. is really important. Cool. Hopefully you're finding this helpful. I'm loving this sort of deep dive into coaching. So let's get to your third question. What's the last thing you want to know? So the third question that I have, the thing, the third thing that I want to know yeah. is, so now that we've clarified niching down, focusing on a specific ideal customer group, then the question is around pricing, mm -hmm. right? And how do you position pricing because it feels so arbitrary because there's yeah. in the tangible world I can tell I can like physically see this mug could cost five bucks mm -hmm. or this airpods could cost 150 whatever but in the intangible world that we live in as coaches it really is you make up your price right mm -hmm. so how mm -hmm. should coaches think about this how should I think about yeah there's given that I drew the line in the sand and I only serve these kind of people and I only want like maybe three clients to go yeah. long distance as we talked about, because I'm not into yeah. like short-term thing. So how would I position myself? What is the ceiling? What's possible? And all these, mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, this is like a bunch of questions about pricing. Yeah, it's totally understandable. You have a bunch of questions about pricing because it's, everyone has a bunch of questions about pricing, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's fascinating. It's complicated. It's all over the place. Pricing in large part is perception. Even in terms of physical products, why are some t-shirts $5 and some 500? Yeah. It's all perception and what people are actually buying. Yeah. Are they actually buying a t-shirt or are they buying what the t-shirt says about them or right. buying status or whatever? So my first thing is I would say it is absolutely possible to charge high prices, to go high tier with coaching. Like there is no, I would argue there is no ceiling actually. Yeah. So how the question becomes, how do you do that? And so one obvious, although both obvious and obscure answer is you create higher value and you can contract higher paying clients, but then you have to define what is that value? What is higher value, et cetera. One thing, a minor thing that I would definitely consider is the words you use and how you present your service can have mm -hmm. a huge impact. Cool. So I'll give you in people's, again, perception of value. So I, for a couple of years ago, had a paid newsletter and when I, it was a weekly newsletter and I would, it was called, this is how I do it. And I would share behind the scenes of how I did stuff in my business. When I stopped calling it a paid newsletter mm. and started calling it a collection of resources, sales mm. went up. Mm. Same product, right. same every week I send you an email with a new resource, but there was a perception that paid newsletter was only worth X, right. right? Or wasn't worth it, whatever. Maybe even they were like, oh, that kind of feels like I don't need another newsletter or whatever. Mm, yeah. And all of a sudden, when I started referring to it as a collection of resources, it felt more valuable or people were more likely to buy. So keeping that in mind, the words you use 
to describe your service are really important. And there's no necessarily obvious right or wrong. It's just different things convey different messages to different people. Whether you call what you do coaching or consulting mm-hmm. or advising or mentoring or whatever you like, each of those things have a different connotation in certain people's minds. They may be more willing to pay a higher amount for an advisor than they would a coach or vice versa. It all depends. They may say if, you know, using the term founder coach might appeal to some people using the term entrepreneur coach might appeal to different people. So there's no right way, but it's something to think about and be very strategic about what terms you're using and why maybe having conversations with people or seeing how people react to different terms, that kind of thing. The other thing about price is as you're thinking through what you're doing, all of this stuff is connected. Let's just say hypothetically, you wanted to build a $20,000 a month coaching business. Right. So right now, and again, I'm just looking at your site. So I think on your site, you charge like 330 bucks for a one hour call. Right. Roughly. So let's think about that in the big picture of these ongoing clients. And if your goal was 20,000 a month. Right. If you're pricing a weekly one-hour call publicly out there at 330, that means if I was going to get a weekly call with you on a monthly basis, that's $1,300 a month. Right. You've just boxed yourself in. Mm. Unless you're offering a different service in the Mm. bigger package. Again, I'm saying if an ongoing retainer is one call a week, hypothetically, unless you're offering a different service, you can't justify charging more than $1,300 for monthly coaching Mm -hmm. if you've gone out publicly and said it's $330 an hour. Now, at that rate, which you have established for yourself by saying it's $330 an hour, you would need 15 monthly clients to hit $20,000 a month. So that's not realistic, nor even not realistic because you couldn't sell it. But you probably don't want to and can't manage 15 monthly clients doing weekly calls. That's why. So by setting and establishing publicly a $330 per hour rate, you've essentially blocked yourself from the potential of having a 20,000 monthly coaching business. Right. That's what I mean by you boxed yourself in. Right. So... That's something you definitely want to keep in mind that whatever sort of smaller stuff you're going to do. Now, look, you may decide that your monthly coaching service is a different service and has different elements, right? right? So you might go, it's a weekly call plus access to me via email. You can tweak the product, but it's something to understand that those low level prices do put a bit of a sort of anchor in the ground and can yeah. impact what you're doing, right. especially when it's publicly available. Especially, right? I think especially as the clients and the leads see the information yep. that's on public sphere, right? Because they, yep. they're thinking the way you're thinking right now because yep. they don't know the context of what's happening. No, I think what seems to me would be a, more, a clearer strategy is basically reverse engineer, how much money do I want to make from a coaching mm-hmm. business without losing my sanity? Right yeah. per month. If that number is 20 or 25K, 30K, mm-hmm. whatever, 20 to 30K, put some line, put some anchor to it. Say, go, that's mm-hmm. the number that I want. And then reverse engineer that into how many clients do I want to handle a month? Exactly. Because that's all important because I could get $1,000 for yeah. client 20, which is a pain in the ass. Or maybe yeah. I could get three clients, 7K, and we're good. So if I want three clients or four clients only, then mm-hmm. you reverse engineer and go, okay, how much should I be charging publicly um, yep. versus through some other things that I'm doing? Yeah. 
and what should be the perception value of this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is- and I would go, and I would also go even a step further, right? So let's say you did decide that. Let's say you're like, I want to do three clients at 7,000 a month. And then you go, okay, I'm going to make the argument that this is worth 7,000. But like that person who's that founder who's trying to figure out marketing distribution, whatever, if they have a budget of 7,000 to spend on improving their marketing and distribution, what could they do? They could buy this course. They could hire an employee. They could run Facebook ads. They could do whatever. So in your mind, you know that you have to figure out how to make the argument that the bet that the 7,000 they're going to spend on you is is going to get them more than whatever else they could spend. And that argument can certainly be made, right? That may seem intimidating, but it can absolutely be made. But that's, and this gets back to the sort of why are they choosing you, or in this case, point. Once you do the sort of reverse engineered math and figure out this is what I need to sell, this is a mistake people make a lot of times, especially you see it a lot with like ads and sponsorship. I come from the entertainment industry, right? A movie studio has a budget to buy ads to promote their movie. Right. They have to spend that money. Right. Your pitch is not trying to get them to spend money they weren't otherwise going to spend. Your sales pitch is this is why you should spend that money with me as opposed to this other publication or this other thing. That's subtle, but it's really different. The contrast. The contrast. Your client has, in this hypothetical example, right? Your potential client has already committed or has budget to spend $7,000 on marketing, Mm. making this up. Right. Your sales pitch is this is why you should spend that 7000 with me as opposed to hiring an employee, buying Facebook ads, doing whatever it is. And if they don't have that 7000 to spend, yeah, you could still pitch them, but you're much better off going after the people that have the money to spend and winning them over as opposed to trying to get them to spend new money, which is significantly harder. harder. Yeah. The other thing I would say is target audience is a huge piece of this, obviously, especially when you start talking about higher tier. If you go after people that are just starting out or people that don't have much money to invest, you can only charge so much. Much, yeah. And I'll give you an example because this is something I'm going through right now that I'm actually getting ready to launch in the new year. I think I'm 95% sure. And I haven't talked about this at all, but I'm going to launch. I'm not even sure what I'm calling it yet. That's how new it is. But some sort of mastermind cohort type thing. It's not going to be a mastermind, group coaching, whatever. It's not going to be a course. And I'm specifically aiming it at people who use newsletters to get clients. Right. Not to sell ads, not to just grow an audience, but to get clients. Why am I doing that? I'm doing that because there's a concrete and specific revenue I'll help them create that justifies a higher price It's more valuable. Whereas I could do the same thing and sell it to people who are just trying to get free newsletter subscribers or just starting out, whatever. But if I want to charge a higher price point, I need an audience that justifies that higher price. That is an example when you think about your coaching. So if you want to make 20,000, if you want to charge 7,000 a month, you need to be going at an audience and presenting yourself to an audience that this is for, that has that money. Right. Mm. So there might be a difference between, and you need to figure out for yourself what that is, but there's a difference between first time founders that have funding and first time founders that are bootstrapped. Bootstrap. Yeah. A huge difference. Right. Huge difference. Yeah. So you might decide that, yeah, you help everybody, but that really your coaching is for first time founders that have fun. Oh, like a seed round or, yeah. 
or ha- right or have income. They have something happening. And I think that's another way to look at it, right? To go, look, you're going to pay me 7,000 for coaching, but this coaching over the course of the year is going to help you double your income. Revenue. Or income. So like yeah. for me with this newsletter course and, or not course, but this mastermind thing, which, you know, I think is going to be a four, at the moment, I'm thinking it's going to be a four month, uh, four months mastermind, limited right. number of people going to charge $2,000 for it. Right. So in my mind, I go, if you spend $2,000 right, and I can help you get a couple clients, probably going to pay for itself. That's super different than if I said, I'm going to charge $2,000. I'm going to help you get a thousand free newsletter subscribers. Right. Now I'm asking you to, even if you're happy with it, right? Even if it's quote unquote successful. And I think that's for you. What does successful look like for your potential clients? So hopefully you can see like the big takeaway here. And I think this is a good summary of kind of everything that we've talked about is there needs to be alignment mm. in what you offer, who you offer it to, how you price it, and how you present. When those four things are aligned, it will not fit everyone, but it will really attract and convert the people that you most want to work with, which is the whole point of all of this. Absolutely. Love it. I think, I mean, there's so many sort of tangents you went on that were useful and to sit down and really ponder on, especially for my use case. I got, I got like a couple ideas that I want to put pen to paper yeah. and draw it out and see if that resonates with like how yep. I want to present myself. But I think it's just, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you. And I'll give you one, one final note as you do that. Whatever you decide to do is always going to evolve. Yeah. So people, I think, hesitate. They get paralyzed because they're like, what if it's wrong? What if I decide I didn't want to do this or what? You're not locked into anything. The key to me is that in any given moment, you are being strategic about what you're going after, even and knowing that strategy will evolve and change over time. When you're not strategic and you're, you're not specific about what you're trying to do, you get kind of lost and stuck in the morass. Even if it doesn't work, it's helpful for you to go, I'm trying this approach and ultimately it didn't work and I'll pivot and whatever. Um, intentionality in the, in the strategy. Is, yes. The one last thing I'll say here. and Yeah. I was not expecting a lot of this. I was expecting, of course, because, you know, but I think the, because I listen to you and I know how you think, but the, the part that I was not expecting was how you tied strategy to your beliefs about the mm-hmm. world and about your niche and about who you are. So the strategy feels like an evolution of your belief system. Yeah. So it started with beliefs. Who do I, what do I believe? And rather make it very clear. Wes Kale calls these spiky points of view, et cetera. Yeah. Like those beliefs lead to the strategy, which is very clear now. Because if you're really yep. believing in those things, your strategy is clear. If you half-ass believe them, then it's unclear. If you really believe them, your strategy is clear. Now, from strategy, you take them into experimentation and execution. Let's see if this resonates. Because sometimes that may not happen. It may not, yeah. You may not get the resonance and you have to pivot. But strategy yeah. will stay the same or at least aligned with the beliefs. And that yeah. coupling that I think is very surprising to me here, but in a good way. Yeah, no, said, I think you may have said it better than I did. And I think that's a great point. And I also think that's why it will evolve yeah. because our beliefs always evolve. Yeah. So if strategy comes out of beliefs and your beliefs are evolving over time based on your life experiences and everything else, right. then it only makes sense that the way you approach it and the things you want will also evolve. Right. So thank you for the awesome questions. I think a lot of people are going to hopefully find this valuable. Tell people where they can follow you, what you want them to check out, any of that stuff that you want to mention. Of course, the pleasure is mine. I want to say that first. Um, 
But yeah, people can follow me at on Twitter at this is KP underscore, and they can go check out my website. This is KP.com. Cool. And for me, again, my newsletter for the interested.com slash subscribe is where you can get that. My skill sessions are a series of video workshops. You can get those at joshspector.com slash sessions. If you'd like to talk about hiring me as a coach or consultant, I won't lock you up for years at a time. That's not my <laughs> way. Joshspector.com slash consultant. I am on Twitter all the time, tweeting back and forth with KP. You can find me at jspector. And if you'd like to come on the show and ask me some questions, go to joshspector.com slash questions to apply. And of course, as always, rate, review, spread the word, tell people. If you want to get a retweeted to, to reach my 25,000 followers, go tell people in your tweet, tag me and tell people to check out the show. Uh, I will most likely retweet you. That's about it. Thank you, KP. Thanks everyone for your interest. And I will see you next week.